There's an old restaurant in Austin called the Nighthawk. It's been there for many, many years. Some of you who have hung out much in Austin might be familiar with it. Actually, the only location left anymore is up on Burnett Road, the Frisco shop, which is one of their deals. But what I always liked about the Nighthawk, other than their food, was their motto. It was written on the menus and the napkins and everything else. And their motto there is, there's nothing accidental about quality. And I've always thought that was an exceptionally good motto and a good way to look at many, many things in life. There's nothing accidental about good things, about quality, about excellence, nothing accidental at all. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Micah, which is actually a nickname, right? Micah's name is Micah, which uh, means who is the Lord. But he went by Micah. Micah was a prophet about 800 years before Jesus, 750 or so before Jesus was born. Consider the word of the Lord. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundation of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? And what have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil, Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, creator of all, sustainer of all, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, as I said, Micah gave this prophecy probably around the year 
725, something like that, before Jesus was born. Micah was a contemporary with Isaiah and Hosea, two other prophets. Micah was a prophet in Judah. He prophesied during the reigns of King Jotham, King Hezekiah, and King Ahaz. And actually, Hezekiah and Ahaz listened to him. He was one of the few prophets that, or I should say maybe they were a couple of the few kings that actually listened to what the prophets had to say, um, to what they had to say. And if you want to read more about that, you can read, you can read about them in 2 Kings starting at, verse, at chapter 15 and 2 Chronicles starting at chapter 27 gives more detail about what went on in that exchange. But this morning I want us to concentrate for a few minutes on the words that I read that, that Micah said. What did the people do that upset the Lord? Now in this particular passage, we don't go into a whole lot of detail in that, but if you would look down there in chapter 6 at verses 11 and 12 down around there, you would see some specifics laid out. One of the specifics laid out was that it says that the wealthy people were violent. I want us to think about something here. It doesn't, it doesn't say that there was anything wrong with being wealthy. The Lord was upset with the violence, with the violence. And if we'll all remember, if we go back to, if we go back to Genesis before the flood, what did it say there? It said the world was filled with violence. The world was filled with violence. And that's what upset the Lord. That's what caused, precipitated, I guess I could say, the flood was violence. It also says there that the inhabitants, the people there, were liars. They were liars. We've spent a little bit lately talking about the importance of what we say and meaning what we say and doing what we say and speaking the truth. And another charge that's brought against the people is brought against the merchants. It talks about them using false weights, cheating people, cheating people. And the Lord brings the case against the people there to all of creation. Isn't that interesting? to the mountains and the hills and all of creation. Of course, it's all, it's all created by God. I was looking at one of my dogs this morning. I have a dog that's particularly hyper. He gets to spend a lot of time outside. While I was having, you know, probably less than completely charitable thoughts about my dog, I remembered and this is something that's good for all of us to remember. You know, we're talking about God pleading his case to the mountains or, or presenting the case against the people of the mountains. Remember that after the flood, which again was precipitated by violence, God made a covenant, right? And remember, that covenant was made with every living creature. So my dog has a covenant with God. 
So, so, so the next time, so, so it, which is probably something good for all of us to remember, that all of, all of our animals have covenants with God as well as us. And then God says, what have I done that you guys are so rotten, loosely translated, Jim's translation. And what have I done? God says, all I've done is I delivered you from slavery, from the Egyptians. I gave you leadership to help you out, you know, Moses and Aaron and Miriam. And then he says, I even set it up where your enemies blessed you. This is this another thing we don't have time to go into this morning, but go read Numbers tw chapter 22 through 24 again. It's such a great story. It's about, you know, Balak, the king of Moab, tries to get Balaam, who is a priest, to curse the people of Israel, right? And he can't do it. And remember again, his donkey, who had a covenant with God, <laughs> stood in front of him to prevent the angel of the Lord from executing justice on him. And he beat his donkey three times. And the donkey talks to him. It's still one of those things, one of those things where more will be revealed someday that amazes me at how, with what ease animals talk to people in the Bible and vice versa, right? And Balaam, of course, ends up blessing the people of Israel, right? He blessed the people of Israel even though he had been commissioned to curse them. And then God says, you know, that shorthand between two geographic points there, one that's one that's east of the Jordan and one that's west of the Jordan, for I gave you the promised land. I gave you the promised land. But they miss the point, don't they? They miss the point. The people say, well, gee whiz, what do we need to give you, God, to show our gratitude? Do we need to give you all sorts of burnt offerings, all sorts of oil? Do we even need to sacrifice our children to appease you? And, of course, the answer is no. God did all of those things for his people out of grace. Nothing was required of them for him to do those things. He didn't, he, God didn't say, if we go back and read there in the first part of Exodus, God didn't say, now, if you all do X, Y, and Z, I will deliver you from Pharaoh. And from slavery. No. God just delivered them. Delivered them. And in all those cases. See, they were already saved. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to do anything. But they were mistaken. They thought that they could appease God with their worship. That they could appease God with their worship. And of course, that's not the case at all. And God says, I'm going to tell you what is good. That's pretty interesting. And that's spelled out for everybody. That's for all people. So that not, that's not just for the people of Judah there that Micah was speaking to at that particular occasion. It's for all peoples. God says, this is good.
This is a good thing. This is something we ought to do. You see, our relationship with God, God saving his people always has been a gift. It's always been a gift. But just because God gives us a gift doesn't mean there aren't requirements. There aren't important things that we should take part in. But notice, nothing that God asks his people here has to do with giving more offerings or material things. See, God wants God's people to be holy, to be separate, to do the right thing. So he says, this is good, to do justice. Now, we could probably spend the rest of the year talking about doing justice, right? This is, this is one of those areas where we are all called to be diligent and to use discretion and be discerning and pray. There are an awful lot of things that get kicked around in our world today that go under the moniker of justice, but are they? Just like I say, I'll, we, could, we could spend days talking about this, but we are all called to do justice, true justice, whatever that looks like. And I always like to think about the classic justice thingy we have, you know, with the scales and all, and the goddess of justice, you know, is blindfolded, right? Is blindfolded. And then we're to love kindness. We're to love kindness, right? Notice none of these things has anything to do with violence. None of these things has anything to do with lying. None of these things has anything to do with cheating anybody or anything like that. And none of these things has anything to do with worship. See, now Micah doesn't say that, it's, that the worship is a bad thing. It's something we should enter into. We should praise God and all that. But we shouldn't do it as Jesus put it to the scribes and the Pharisees when he was talking to them about tithing of their mint and their rue and all. They shouldn't just do that and forget about the other things. Forget about the other things. The doing justice, the loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. See, the people of Israel had said to God, we can read it back there in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 27. They said, today we agree to walk in your ways. To walk in your ways. And God still wants us to walk in God's ways. Walk humbly in God's ways. And again, humility is not a virtue that is greatly applauded in our society these days. In fact, this afternoon we're going to have a, a festival of anti-humility, right? And there will be literally millions of people celebrating pride and not being humble. Interesting. Interesting to think about. Interesting to think about. You know, 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. 
And of course, all of us, when we really consider our position in life, humility really shouldn't be that hard a deal. Because as it tells us in another place in scriptures, what in, in uh, James chapter 4, I think, our life is but a vapor, but a vapor. Even those of us who live to be 120, our life is but a vapor. I think the upshot is, as you come to the table this morning, I want you to remember, I want you to remember that the grace is available here for all of us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. And remember, God is not looking for a specific type of offering. God is looking for a specific type of person.